Guardian Unlimited. Girlfriend, <laughs> small world. The I love what you've done with the curtains, love. Hello. Hello. It's week two of the Edinburgh Festival, and I'm still Brian Logan. And I'm very much still Lucy Porter. We've set up today in Charlotte Square, where the book festival has just opened. A bastion of civilization away from the mayhem of the Fringe. Yeah. Alongside the Fringe, it's one of the plethora of festivals here in Edinburgh. There's also the International Festival. The Art Festival. The Film Festival. Jazz and Blues. Military Tattoo. There's the Television Festival. There's politics. There's even a gaming festival, There's apparently. There's a Spirituality Festival. Is there anything in this city, Lucy, that doesn't have a festival attached? There is nothing, Brian. Nothing at all. First up today, Rod Gilbert. My mother ran off with the milkman, right? Oh, thanks very much for your sympathy on that. Oh, I'm glad that gets a little bit of a laugh at my tragedy there. That's, it's not fucking funny. He just turned up on his milk floor one day and off they went. I was six years old. I had to watch them go. It was the worst three hours of my life. Stopped at every house on our street, thank you. Did your parents do this? Do you know what my parents used to do? I suppose it was to protect the kids in a way, but they used to talk in code. It's like when you've got a dog, isn't it? They understand things, so you can't say I'm going to take him for a walk. Can you? you can't say walkies in front of a dog, because they go nuts, don't they? They understand, and they hump your leg, and they go and get their lead, and they get too excited. and the whole You have to say, I'm going to take him for a W-A-L-K. Don't you? And the clever ones get the hang of that as well, to be fair, right? But that's what my parents would do, exactly the same thing with us. Like they'd, if we were in the house, they'd talk about the D-I-V-O-R-C-E, or however you spell solicitor, right? They'd do... That's what they used to do, and we didn't know. We, did, we knew things weren't right, but we didn't know they were getting divorced. The dog was going nuts, by the way, right? He, oh, he knew. He, he knew exactly what was going on. He was the first to know. It was everything in our house, right? I know, he, he was devastated. The poor little fella was... He was. You should have seen his face when they told him he was adopted. He went mental. Rod Gilbert there, part of a small but perfectly formed Welsh contingent on the fringe. There are a few, but I'm sure there'll be more. There will be a festival of Welshness soon in Edinburgh. So have you seen Rod's show, Lucy? I saw a preview of this and it was looking in very good shape. It's called Who's Eaten Gilbert's Grape? And it's his normal kind of quite miserable Welsh persona, but he, he does write cracking good jokes. He's hilarious, I think. I did have this idea that it would be quite good if someone heckled me to do something quite romantic back at them. But thinking about it, I don't see how that would work. So I carry a brick, so if someone does heckle, then I'll plunge that in their head, cave their head in. According to Channel 4, Stuart Lee is the 41st best comedian ever. He's been coming to the Fringe for 20 years, so he took Brian to one of his old haunts. We're at the Roman Eagle Lodge on Johnson Terrace. Stuart, why have you brought us here? This is where we used to stay 20 years ago, when I came up here when I was a student. Um, we used to sleep about 100 students in here. There was a swan sink, no shower, no bath, and we just used to make little bivouacs out of curtains and sleep behind them. And then back then, because Edinburgh was still quite broke, like all of Britain, you could walk down there and there was a public bathhouse in Infirmary Street where you could go in cubicles for 10p. The real choice place to try and get to sleep was, I'll show you, the, the people should try and get here as early as possible to get this space. You see this radiator, and there's a false wall here, right? There was a space under these stairs. You could just about get a sleeping bag in there, and that was the absolute best place to sleep. And a guy called Steve Brown used to get that space every year. He didn't go on to become an actor, <laughs> but he had great skills for finding holes to sleep in. 
Then the top floor was a, a Masonic Lodge. Still is um, a Masonic Lodge. Yeah, it still is a Masonic Lodge, but they, they used to say, I oh, don't go in the Masonic Lodge. We all used to go in there and like muck about. You could open the cupboards and get all the regalia out and dress up and stuff. There's Masonic spears and things. <laughs> it's really good fun. It's weird thinking about it being 87, which is as long ago now as the 60s were then. And we used to have this really romantic idea of all the stuff that was happening in the fringe in the 60s, and you think about all the people that came through in the 70s, and I suppose maybe people look back now and think, that seems like a long time ago, I wonder what it was like. It wasn't that different, really. 20 years on, you're performing in an upside-down cave. Does that feel like progress? I've progressed from a cave to a tent, and that's taken 20 years. <laughs> By 2027, I hope to be in a room. <laughs> So you're writing more and more little plays now? Yeah, well, I used to be with a big company called Avalon. It was difficult to do stuff like that because you'd end up so in debt. But since I've left, I've done three things for stage this year and a new stand-up show, and they were all really little things that you, you could run and not be in debt for doing. It's counterintuitive to think of you as like having to worry about these things. You're a comedy aristocracy now. Well, it's very kind of you to say that, <laughs> but I think, I think there's a perception amongst broadsheet journalists and 5,000 comedy fans that that is the case, but it's very difficult to get beyond that. And even doing the big tent here, the more good reviews come out, which I'm actually very grateful for, but the more, the more good reviews come out, so these kind of people come along who wouldn't normally have seen you and are a bit puzzled by it. So I think it might be a case of next year of trying to scale it down again, like Daniel Kitson, to sort of make sure the shows are okay and uh, stop people coming. <laughs> so now time for one of our irregular features from the enigmatic Pascal Wise. We sent him out to meet the men behind the car-smashing hit Otto Otto. Well, we're round the back of the Pleasance Grand and I'm here with Christian and Christian, two German musicians. Also joining us is a very, very knackered Mini Metro. I wonder if you guys would be prepared to give me a little masterclass in playing the car. Yes, we, we, we will so. And we start with the roof. So, there's a great spot here in the middle, isn't there? Yeah, it is. I'm going to have a go now. Please. Not going to be as good. Warning to listeners. Yeah. Great. Yeah, great. You can easily replace me in the yeah, show. Okay. Great. I'll give the mic to you. And uh, uh, what other areas of the car can we use? Listen to the the door here, for example. Now this new one is the consequence of the one we've just been through. As I'm bound to be the unavoidable consequence of you. There's so many people who can drive and drive and drive. Can I join in on the headlights? Yes. <laughs> Should you use the right instrument there? Oh, I've just been handed a pair of pliers <laughs> to help this, okay. Well, that's almost it for today's heckle. Keep sending us your heckles to podcasts at guardian.co.uk or post a comment on the blog. And to play us out today, we've got an exclusive song recorded in one of Edinburgh's leading frozen food specialist supermarkets. Hello, I'm Jamie. I'm the manager of Farm Foods in Edinburgh and this is Izzy Sooty singing a song from Love Lost in the British retail industry. The boy who stacks Purcell and Radion caught me on.
Jonah was in the washing powder sack. Sean, he said, Would you like to dance? I said, No. We're in a shop. He said, Yeah, but this is my aisle and I shall do as I please and it pleases me to dance. Would you like to dance? I said, We might knock some of the washing powder over. He said, I've stacked the boxes in such a way that any impact will send one, maybe two, astray. Come on, love, let your ear down, it's Friday. Dance, will you, dance, will you dance? I said, I've never done anything naughty in my life. I mean, I stole a car once. But when I say car, I mean apple. And when I say stole, I mean bought. He said, I've done loads of naughty things, love. Even my imaginary friends think I'm a twat. Just one dance. He'd stacked the boxes in such a way that a lot of impact sent a lot of boxes astray. But by then I didn't care. Oh, nay. I danced and 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 I danced. We danced and we danced and we danced and we danced. We danced and we danced and we danced. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Guardian Unlimited.